Hey yo, it's Cidro. Holler at the people. Ten thousand tacos, yo. Hey yo, they never call me Flaco. Ten thousand tacos. I like mine with cilantro. Ten thousand tacos. Twist the line, get the taco. Ten thousand tacos. Pour me some horchata while Cidro talk about it. It's ten thousand tacos. Hey yo, I probably ate ten thousand tacos. I can still eat ten thousand more though. Yo, yo, they might. Flaco, but they sure can call me Gordo. It's ten thousand tacos. What? What? Ten thousand tacos. What? What? Ten thousand tacos. Welcome back to 10,000 Tacos. I'm Isidro Salas, your host. Thanks again for giving us the time. It's very much appreciated. Way, way more than you can imagine. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us and uh, welcome aboard. I hope that you can... Go back a few episodes or perhaps from the beginning and get caught up. Before we get started, I want to give a special thanks to a few people. First of all, thanks to the many of you who left comments on hearing my mother's voice on our last episode. There are too many of you to name, but one of my favorite comments came from Mark. I don't know your last name because I didn't have it on your email, but... What you said was really, really special. It was really nice. And he said, quote, I can see where you get your voice from. That is very humbling. Thank you very much, Mark, for that. I also wanted to call out Nick Vega for leaving us a review on iTunes. It's people like you who make this thing worthwhile. So thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate that. On today's episode, we talk about something that is very, very hidden in every taco. The ingredients you never see. What do you think it is? What do you think makes a great taco? And we're talking about things that we don't see. What are some of the hidden things that go into a great taco? It's not the meat, although you can hide that by putting all kinds of toppings on your taco and if you know me you know how you feel about that but hey to each their own perhaps it's a seasoning or it's the ingredients inside the salsa that you don't see the hidden stuff right now all those things do come into play but nah nah, that's not what we're going to talk about today what i'm talking about here is the building block something much 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 deeper It's confianza, con confianza. Have you ever heard that? Con confianza means with trust. Trust, really. Have you ever thought about it in that way? Probably not, right? And and why would you? (laughs) Why would you ever see it that way? I mean, we see everything else, right? The scrumptious meat, cilantro, the cebolla, the salsa, all on that awesome tortilla, which it's truly the foundation of every taco. More on that a little bit later, but 
But really, think about it. When you go get some tacos at a new spot, a spot that you've never, ever been to before, isn't it trust that takes you there? I mean, trust is the reason why you're going. Trust is that assumption that those tacos that you're about to eat are going to be good. It's that belief. And I believe it's one of the main things that made us so successful. It allowed us to consistently make and sell those good-ass tacos that we did for such a long time. So in essence, it's a feeling. A feeling, right? And where does that feeling come from? Where does trust come from? It isn't like you can uh, order it on Amazon Prime and get it on your porch the next day with hopes that someone won't take it off your front of the house. You know, you have to trust that someone won't steal it. <laughs> no pun. But getting back to it, trust is something that is so deeply embedded. It's a hidden force. You don't see it, but it's there. I believe trust starts with oneself, right? You have to trust yourself. It all starts there. And of course, trust also comes from the people you surround yourself with, right? And it's those you share a common interest and beliefs with. That's where trust starts. And when that happens, you are more confident. When you share those same common beliefs and interests with others, you get more confident. And with that confidence, you take more risks. Let me give you an example, a really quick example. A few years ago, I was working this one place and a coworker of mine who we'd been there for, he'd been there for a couple of months now. And I got to know him pretty well in those two months. And he says, hey, I hear that you know a lot about tacos. Where can I go find some good tacos? And I said, well, let's go to lunch. So we went out to lunch and we went to this place. Uh, we drove about 15, 20 minutes. We had to go back to the east side of San Jose to find some good ones. And I took him to this one spot. And he asked me, what do you usually order? And I'm like, oh, I like al pastor. And I, I like that. And he said, well, you know, I, I've only had the tacos from Taco Bell. And I, I don't see them on the menu. And I was like, well, these are different tacos. These are <laughs> these are real tacos. And he says, well, what, what do you get? And I said, well, like I said, I, al pastor. And I explained to him what it was. And a little bit of, well, it's pork. And I told him what carne asada was. And I said, you know, carne asada is probably the most popular. So that's something that you may want to get. And he, and he asked me again, well, what are you going to get? And I said, I'm going to I'm gonna get these tripas, tacos de tripa. And he says, well, I'm going to try that. And I said, all right. So I went ahead and ordered uh, my order. And I asked them to, to crispy the tripas up to make them doradas, right? And I asked that, you know, for him to have them the same way. And of course, we go and eat them and we put the salsa on there, the green salsa. And at the end, he's like, man, these were really good. He's like, what is that? Was, is that beef? Is that, is that from like what part of the animal is that? And I said, you know, it, it's tripe. It's tripa. And he said, and he just looked at me like, wow, I just had that. And he just looked at me with this face like, yeah, but tasted good so he said i'm glad you didn't tell me beforehand or else i probably wouldn't have eaten him and see but that's what i mean it's that trust he trusted me right we had common beliefs 
We had same interest. We were going to go get tacos. He trusted me. That's what I mean about something like that. So trust, it's a very, very important thing. I'll give you a few other examples. One that involves my sister. And then I'll finish off a little bit with a story of how deeply embedded trust is in our lives that enabled us to make good as tacos. For the most part, we know trust is something that is important in every single relationship. You cannot have a relationship without the basic trust. And for us, trust started at a very, very young age. I'll get a little more into that later on in the episode. But I remember when my parents would have to leave the country to go back home. And most of those times when we were younger, it was because they had to go bury their loved ones. And they had to leave the business to us. They had to leave the truck and the business to us. Of course, they didn't do that when we were, you know, younger, when we were like when I was 10 or 11, my sister was 12 and 13. This happened when we were a little bit older, my parents. I I remember being in high school and taking a couple of weeks off from the school year my sophomore year because my parents had to go down to Mexico to take care of something and my brothers and I would run the truck and didn't go to school for about two weeks because of that the administrator of the school he understood that and inevitably he excused our absences he knew that we were doing that but more importantly my parents trusted us not only to run the the catering truck during the day but also to sell tacos at night on top of that they trusted us that we were going to go and get the supplies that were needed the other thing you know my mom i remember this at a very young age she would give me cash cash money if you will (laughs) to go deposit at the local bank so i would go down to the bank sometimes i would walk in and and at that time that was a lot of money it still is a lot of money but it would be sometimes $1,000, $1,200. And she would just give it to me and I'd go down there and deposit. And I wasn't the only one. My siblings would do this as well. So that in itself is trust. And I just felt, well, you know, I need to go do this. This is what needs to be done. I didn't question it, right? Now I realize, wow, would I trust my 14-year-old with $1,000 to go deposit in the bank? And the, the likelihood of that is no. But again, this trust was started at a young age. The other thing I remember (laughs) was my sister, she started driving a car at 12 years old, which may not be unusual, right? Kids start at a younger age, but this wasn't out of starting to drive because, oh, this is fun and I just want to drive. No, it was out of necessity. You see, when my parents would go off to work every day and they would take the truck to go sell throughout the Silicon Valley, we weren't that close to the junior high school that we went to. And my sister started driving so that she would take my siblings, my other two older brothers, to school. (laughs) Can you imagine a parent just letting their child drive their other two children to, to school? Well, next thing you know, the kids around the block, remember, we used to park 
the catering truck right on our block. So we had a lot of friends because, of course, the food. But we just made friends throughout uh, the time of you know, when we were living there. And a lot of our friends went to the same school. So little by little, the car that my sister would drive would go from a couple of passengers from other families to you know, two more. And next thing you know, she had a boatload of kids in that car. I remember at one point there was about eight kids in the car. And this was a, a Monte Carlo back in the day, <laughs> like a late 70s Monte Carlo. And kids would just bunch up into the car and they would get a ride to school. But here's the funny part about it. Kids jumping into a car, that's that's one thing, right? But but the parents knew that my sister was driving to school and were giving the kids rides. All those parents knew. They actually said, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, you talk about trust. <laughs> Would you let your 12-year-old ride in a car with a fellow 12-year-old and about 12 other kids in that car? Would you do that now? Absolutely not, right? It blows your mind that you wouldn't do that, but yet my parents allowed that to happen. Now you think about it. You could sit there and criticize them and say they were being reckless, but the trust that they had in my sister, not only to take us to school and bring us back safely, but the trust that other parents had in my parents and in my sister to do that. Think about it. That's trust at its basic level. But the trust that I see now is the most important is the trust that was established when my parents got together as a couple, as a young couple. And eventually that trust that made them come to the United States. This year, as a matter of fact, in April this month, marks the 40th year that my father made his way up from Mexico to the United States, eventually California. And when my parents decided on this, they had a plan. I recently found this out. They had a plan. My father was going to go work and make money, send the money back so that they could pay off some debt that they had. They had accumulated some debt due to some unfortunate incidents that had occurred. And my dad wanted to pay that off. My mom and him decided that the best way to do that was to go up to California. My father had a brother who was already here and convinced them to come up and say, hey, yeah, no, I, I could set you up up here. I could help you get started and, and get you a job. So my parents decided that my father was going to go. And the plan was for my father just to go up there and work, make a little bit of money, enough money to pay off the debt and to save up a little bit and then come back. Well, I didn't know this again until now. My dad would constantly be in communication with my mom. And little by little, he started telling her that, you know, you know I think that uh, instead of saving and paying off our debt, we, you know, it, it, that money is better off used in bringing you guys up here, meaning us, the family. And so my dad started to save up so that he could do that. One month went by, two months, three months, four months. And I started missing my father. I was about five years old when he left. And I was the youngest at the time. 
I could remember the very first time that I that I noticed how long a night was. I could remember that because I didn't close my eyes all night. Now, prior to this, I remember that, you know, you'd go to sleep as a child and you'd wake up and you're like, oh, wow, I slept for 15 minutes. And it, it never, you know, like the whole night's 15 minutes. No. The first time I realized that was when I was looking up at the ceiling and the moonlight was shining through one of the windows. And I just kept wondering where my father was. I just kept thinking, when is he going to come home? And I remember staying up that whole night. And he wasn't home. He didn't come home. And I asked my mother where, when he was going to come home. She didn't have an answer for me. Because she didn't know. And at some point, I kept asking and no answer turned into sadness, frustration. Where was my dad? I can't imagine what my other siblings were thinking, but I was really hurt that he wasn't there. But I had to trust my mom. I had no other choice. Well, soon enough, sure, sure enough, I remember this one day that my mother woke us up in the middle of the night, all of us, and instructed us to pack our best clothes. And I did it. Okay. I didn't question it. And neither did my other siblings that I remember. And we took a taxi to the local bus terminal. We boarded a bus and we went all the way up for three days, traveled all the way to Tijuana. And from there, we were separated from my mom. And I just remembered my, my sister looking at me at one point with this face of, I, we're gonna, we're gonna, t I'm gonna take care of you. And I trusted my sister that she was. I didn't ask any questions because we were being told we were to shut up when we were crossing the border. I remember this lady with this very evil face turning around and looking at me and my other siblings saying, cállense o los voy a matar. Shut up, or I will kill you. And of course, what is a six-year-old at this point? What, what are you supposed to do? Just sit there and take it and go, okay. And we drove off. The next thing I remember, I just remember waking up at this place. And I looked around, and I, I just could see my, my two other brothers and my sister. And then I was asking where my mom was. I asked my sister, and I didn't get an answer. And I just could remember the smell of this meat and, the, and I later found out it was bacon and that's what we eventually ate. that was the first meal I had in the United States was bacon I don't know if that's the reason why I love bacon but it certainly is but anyway before I knew it I saw my dad come in the door we our face was just wow you know I hadn't seen my father in a long time it had been months and he walks in through this front door and of course we hug him and we just miss him we're all trying to get ourselves close enough to just to to, to hug every single part of his body because we had seen him. And so quickly we were just reminded how joy was to see him. And we were just happy that everything was happening so fast that none of us really realized that, that our mom wasn't there. And so it wasn't for another couple of hours that we all boarded a car and we drove somewhere and we waited at this one place right by a house 
it was a busy, busy street. I remember lots of cars passing by on both directions. A couple of, it, it seemed to be very busy. It was a busier street than I could remember as a kid. But next thing you know, I see my father get out of the car quickly and he runs behind. He runs to the rear and, and, he, and I see him hug my mom. My mom obviously got out of a car that had just parked behind us. I wouldn't even notice. And they were hugging and then we couldn't get out of the car, but you know, it's the first time I remember seeing my mom. <laughs> and I go, wow, this is crazy. Anyway, um, then, then we all just, I just remember driving for a long time and we inevitably ended up in San Jose. When I look back at that time, I just think trust is what kept my parents hopeful trust. They trusted one another. My mom trusted my dad that he was going to send for us and pick us up. My mom trusted the system, however crooked that system was, to get us here illegally, to cross the border illegally. My dad trusted the people that, that told him that, yes, we could get your family over. I can't see myself having a life that I have today because if it didn't have that foundation of trust. When my parents started their business, they already had a plethora of ingredients that they were going to put into the tacos. Trust was one of those things. Trust that when they warmed up the tortillas, they were going to be perfect so that you wouldn't break when you went into bite into that taco, that the tortilla wouldn't give way. That's what trust does. It makes everything better. The foundation of trust is truly the willingness to sacrifice for one another. Because my parents showed us such willingness to go first, to sacrifice, to take that risk and move us all to a different country, we automatically, naturally rewarded them with our trust. And that's the trust that propelled us to make kick-ass tacos. That's the trust that compelled my sister to drive us to school and bring us back safely every single day. And that's the trust that gives me the motivation to do this very podcast. So as we wrap up this episode, we'll close it out with the following ta quote. Remember, a ta quote is a quote with a little bit of a taco twist to it. <laughs> Trust is like having that perfectly warmed up tortilla. Without it, the whole thing falls apart. That is all for this episode. Once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. I know you have many choices out there. There are a lot of good podcasts out there, and, and we're humble that you make time for ours. We truly, truly are grateful. If you like this episode, tell a friend, a family member, a coworker, tell them about it. Pass it along to others. You could uh, also find us on Instagram. Twitter, and we have a Facebook page. Drop us a note. 
or send us a comment. Comments at 10ktacos.com. Again, that's comments at 10ktacos.com. Until next time, I'm Isidro Salas, and this is 10,000 Tacos. Thank you.